Today in this episode, we are going to dive into the whole concept of control. I am someone who likes to control things. I like to have things planned out and like be in the driver's seat when it comes to my circumstances. So you can imagine the loop that God threw me for when infertility came into our path. It was not part of the plan and it was something I had zero control over and I really, really struggled with that battle of the wills is what I call it and the battle for control over my circumstances, specifically my waiting journey. So we're going to dive into that. What does God's word have to say about it? Let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. I want to talk to my control women, the women just like me who like to control everything, who are really struggling with trying to conceive and just infertility journey because they feel so out of control. It is like, supposed to be this method of track the things, mark the things, follow the system, and you should be able to conceive, right? But this is not working. And your battle of the wills is coming to the surface and it is exposing in your heart impatience with God's will and God's plan. And you are struggling to surrender to him because you just feel like this should be controllable. And the idea of it being outside of your control is consuming you to the point where your frustration is building up with God and you just like the trust that you thought you had with God, the foundation is feeling like it's crumbling a little bit because that need for control is consuming you so much that you are not able to like fully surrender, even though you have the head knowledge that God is good and you have the head knowledge that he is in control and you have the head knowledge that you can trust him. You are seeing the battle of your will, the battle for control over your circumstances rise to the surface in your heart and that part of your like personality and makeup of how God created you to just like go after things and work really hard and make things happen. And culture is out there telling you like, give your very best effort and you'll be able to create whatever results you want to create, right? And that combined with your desire for control is just imploding in your heart. And you find yourself battling with God and not walking in surrender. And you don't want to feel that way because you know the truth, right? Like you know the truth, but it's like feeling the truth. Walking in the truth is a totally different story. So today I want to talk to that woman who is struggling with surrender, who is struggling with the need to control the narrative of your story that God is writing in your life. 
I want us to take us back to the Israelites' journey. The Israelites are the people in the Bible who I love to judge. (laughs) As sad as it may be, it is true. I feel like I read their story like all throughout growing up, and I just remember feeling like, these people are so dumb. Like, How many times can you learn the same lesson over and over and over again and not actually understand what God is trying to teach you? And I would just like kind of in my head, this is like embarrassing to admit, but it's true. We are friends here, so I'm going to be vulnerable. I feel like I just got to a place where I would kind of mock the Israelites, like just like, hello, can you just open your eyes? Like, I cannot believe that, you know, they're making idols out of gold again. Like, what is going on with these people? Like, God has done so much for you. How do you forget that? (sighs) And they're stuck in the desert for 40 years. As a result, here's the thing. The Israelites are not actually that far from us women who are struggling with control, who are struggling to surrender to God's journey with us. We are very much like the Israelites. And I think that's why God includes their story in it, because it is so difficult to see your sin when you're living in it. And impatience is sin. And putting fertility treatments on a pedestal can become an idol chasing fertility experience after fertility experience, like chasing the idea of being a mom and like being relentless in pursuing, trying to conceive can become an idol. Just like those golden calves that they would make. It's like they worship that, like they worship the routine, they worship the control. And so what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves very much like the Israelites in the Old Testament? who continually saw God provide and then would forget and would make idols and would worship other things, would get distracted. And honestly, the root of most of their issue was that they were just wanting to be in control. They wanted to know the plan. They wanted to know where they were going. They were tired of their circumstances. They wanted out. They didn't want to wait any longer. And it was the battle of control over the circumstances. That is what led them to the brokenness in their relationship with God and the constant learning the lesson over and over again. Numbers 21, four through five says, from Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way and the people spoke against God. So why were they getting impatient with God? After God had carried them out of Egypt, walked them through the Red Sea, wiped out their enemies behind them, fed them food every single day that fell from heaven, they still grew impatient because the life God had promised them, the life that they really wanted did not come fast enough. The path that he had chosen for them was longer and harder and more painful than they expected. They grew angry over how much they could not control. So much so, in fact, that they began to long for the cruelty of Pharaoh. At least then they got to choose what they ate. That is from an article in Desiring God. And gosh, I just so relate to that. It just puts things into perspective. And I feel like my judgment of the Israelites kind of shifted as I was learning more about their journey. And the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians, and it talks about how patience is a fruit of the Spirit. 
And for those of us who like to have control and we have like the head knowledge of God's goodness, the head knowledge of trusting him, knowing that he has good plans for us, it is like living out, like what's actually being lived out in our life because your head knowledge is not what God is looking at to see if you're bearing fruit. It's the fruit of our life, the fruits of the spirit. Are we being patient? Are we being kind? Are we being self-controlled? That is what God is looking at. That is the fruit that he's counting. So if we look back and we look over our journey and our waiting season, what is the fruit that we're bearing? Is it just like this white knuckle grip on control and you are just looking just like the Israelites and you're like, okay, Lord, I know that you've done this thing in the past for me. Like you helped me find my spouse and you saw me through these other experiences. Like for me, I look back on my journey before even trying to conceive and Josh coming into my life was 110% an Ebenezer. And an Ebenezer is like where you would build stones of remembrance of what God had done in your life at that time so that you would never forget it. And for me, that our story is 100% an Ebenezer. Like I look back and I'm like, I see God's goodness through my waiting season in singleness. And I see how he showed up. He provided through Josh and the good that came out of circumstances that were not ideal. They were inconvenient and there was delays along the way. But I saw the good in retrospect in retrospect. And so then I look back even further and I see how I've been in a car accident and God protected my life. And my car was totaled. Literally the insurance claim guy called my dad and said, I'm afraid to ask what happened to the driver in this case, because I've never seen a driver walk away from an accident like this. I walked away with scratches and a bruise on my hip. That's an Ebenezer of inconvenience. I was on my way to work. I got in this crazy accident and God was gracious in saving my life in that moment. I look back and I went on a mission trip to China for a year and I had to raise over $15,000 to be able to go on that. And wouldn't you know it, right in the nick of time, the Lord provided the last dollar amount for me to be able to make that happen and to be able to go on this year-long mission trip. And that's an Ebenezer. So we look back and what are our moments with God where he carried you out of Egypt? He walked you through the Red Sea. He wiped out your enemies behind you. He fed you with food. When are the times where literally just the manna from heaven was sufficient? And you look back and you're like, that was God's provision. Because those of us who are craving control, it is a fight to release our impatience with God's will and to fully surrender to the knowledge that's in our head and allow it to become the fruit of the heart, which is the fruit of the spirit in patience. Patience. So I want to share four verses. Honestly, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So we really have to go to God's word to be able to find the I guess the tool that's going to help us turn the head knowledge into the heart knowledge where we can actually transform how we're living and start seeing the fruit of patience in our life. Like we should be able to look at our waiting season, our trying to conceive journey, and people should be able to see the fruit of patience in our lives lived out. That is our calling in this season, in any season. That is, we are called to the fruit of patience. 
So if we are actually producing the opposite and we are producing impatience and every conversation we have with somebody about our fertility journey is just marred with impatience and frustration over God's will, like there's a difference between seeking mentorship and help and support to make that transition versus someone who is just emotionally coping by dialogue and basically just word vomiting how they're feeling just to be able to express their frustration. We have to learn to have a spirit of patience that expresses how we're feeling while also holding patience for God's will in our life, right? So here's four verses that I want to give you that I think can really make a difference when you're going through something very difficult. And the key with these verses is to commit them to memory. When you commit God's word to memory, he can pull that out when you need it the most. And that is when the fruit is going to start being produced because the fruit is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit active and living in our lives. And we can only kind of engage in that when we are in surrender to him. Whereas if we are in a place of impatience and frustration and full self-control, like we are just like, I am in control of these things. Like I'm just going to focus on the plan, the protocol that the doctors have given me. I'm going to trust that. Like you're missing the opportunity to engage in the spirit and the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. You're actually shutting that down by staying in this position of convincing yourself that you've been able to accomplish anything else in your past that you worked really hard for. So this should be just the same. If I work really hard, if I follow the steps, I should be able to conceive. It's not like that. And so for my strong-willed women out there who are just like me, who are just like, no, God, like I have a plan, okay? And you're not following it. Or who are just women who are like, I love to control these circumstances. I know I have to surrender this. Let's dive into God's word and let's talk about what verses you can draw on in this time to really transform your heart into a beautiful place of surrender. Because I believe that our strong-willed nature is actually something that God wants to use in his kingdom to transform other people. Like I truly feel like it's a spiritual gift to be like stubborn and strong-willed and like slightly a control freak. Like that, those things I think can be spiritual gifts used for the kingdom to advance the kingdom. However, we have to partner that with being in full surrender to the spirit and what he's doing in our lives. And if we are fighting against that, He cannot use that to expand the kingdom, right? It's like a battle between you and him versus unity and on mission together. So here's some verses to kind of get back on track. Number one is Jeremiah 33, six. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Physical healing your conceiving journey, being able to conceive naturally and carry a child. That is not promised to us this side of heaven. Abundant peace and security and healing is not promised to us in this world. It is that verse is referring to when Jesus comes again. He will come again to bring health and healing to it. He will heal us. We will be able to enjoy abundant peace and security in the next life when after Jesus comes a second time. So we can find our surrender to God's plan by acknowledging that ultimately there will be healing. What we are praying for, the healing, the conceiving, all of that, that goes along with it, like God to do that miracle, eventually he will answer that in the second coming. He will heal what is going on in our bodies that is preventing us from conceiving. 
So that is our hope. It's not that he's going to do the miracle today and right now and in this season. Maybe he won't. He doesn't have that for every single one of us. And that's so heartbreaking to share, but it is the truth. He does not promise physical healing in anything, whether it's conceiving, infertility, a different diagnosis like cancer. He does those things, yes. He's capable of those things, yes. The miracles still happen today, yes. But it's not the promise that we build our faith and our hope on. The promise is when he comes again, he's going to restore all things, including what infertility has robbed us of, okay? So that's Jeremiah 33, 6. And the second verse is John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If we are allowing the journey and the diagnosis of unexplained infertility, or even if it is explained and it's a specific diagnosis, to trouble us. We are not heeding God's wisdom in John 14, 27, and we are not accessing, tapping into the peace that he has promised to provide us. We do not have to be afraid. We do not have to let our hearts be troubled. That's a decision. He's telling us you have the power. You have the peace accessible to you because Jesus has come. And though he's going to bring healing after he comes again in the future, the second time, Currently, while you're waiting, even though he may not physically heal you, he can provide peace to you and he can still your troubled heart. He can leave you in this place of full surrender. So even though it might be unexpected, his gift is peace and a calm spirit that he can give to you. That's John 14, 27. The third verse is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. Like just reading that, I feel like I can take like a deep spiritual breath. Like this word is saying like Jesus is humble in heart. And you know what impatience is produced from? It's produced from pride. It's produced from these circumstances are not sufficient. I know what's actually best for me. And our finite minds convince ourselves that we actually have the best perspective on things. So our way or like it's our way or the highway kind of a thing. And that is from pride. So if you are lacking patience, it's from, it's because you're lacking humility humility that God, who is in control, has a great plan, even if there's a delay, even if there's inconvenient circumstances, painful circumstances, that his plan is still the best plan. That's where humility comes from, and that humility cultivates patience. So we will find rest for our souls when we go to the Lord weary and burdened. He doesn't say that you're not going to be. He actually tells us we will be weary and burdened. Like carrying infertility, going through that, that is going to burden us. That is going to create weariness in us. But he promises rest. He promises rest, but it's an action. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You will find rest for your soul. So it's not just a head knowledge. We have to take the action of taking his yoke upon us. And what that means, I believe, is 
in daily surrender, in active surrender, in prayer, transforming, like going back to Romans 12 too, that do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is how we take his yoke upon us, is we have to not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our renewing of our mind happens by taking every thought captive. In the fourth and final verses, Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has promised us strength. A lot of times on this journey, I'll hear people throw around platitudes like, oh, God gives the strongest battles to his strongest soldiers, or he'll never give you more than you can handle. Neither of those platitudes are actually biblical. So our strength has to come from God, not us. Thinking that God has given you something because you're strong is actually a prideful thought. God is choosing you or he's allowed something to happen in your life because he's, one, he could be testing you. Two, it could be a refinement process for him to make you more like, like him. Or three, it's just producing fruit. You going through that trial is going to produce fruit in your life. And that is a part of his big picture of the gospel, of showcasing his love. So it's not about you being the strongest person and that's why you're going through infertility. It has nothing to do with that. That's actually not biblical. It's not true. And if you're relying on your strength, which is what that quote is saying, then you're missing this opportunity that Isaiah 41 10 says. It says, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Not you. You're not going to uphold yourself. You're not going to strengthen yourself. You're not strong on your own. You cannot do this on your own. That's why you needed a savior. That's why Jesus Christ came. That's like Easter is coming. That's why he came and rose from the grave because we cannot do this on our own. So no, God does not give the toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. He actually gives all of us battles. Point of the battle is to point you to him and his strength. He says that I will uphold you with my righteous right hands. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. It's an opportunity for us to experience who he is, who his character is, like allowing him to work in and through us to be our savior. We are not the savior. So it's not about us being the toughest. It's not about us being, you know, handpicked. We're so lucky we get to go through the strongest things like that just says something about us. No, it's about him. It's always about him. It's always about him and his strength and his strength alone. And then if you go back to never gives you more than you can handle, that's also not true. That is not biblical. God's word says that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. That is different than what you can handle. God is giving you things in your life where you literally cannot handle it. The whole point is for you to be able to lean on him, for you to understand the value of walking with him and the Holy Spirit working through your life and producing that fruit in your life. And the second one, he will never give you more than you can handle. That's also not true. That is not biblical. It is not about what you can handle. He knows that there are things in this world that we cannot handle. That is the whole point of Jesus coming and rising again and overcoming sin and death and triumphing over that. 
That's why he sent his one and only son to die for us in our place, because we cannot handle the things of this world. We cannot handle the sin, the repercussions of good and evil, like we cannot handle it. So it's not about what we can and cannot handle. It is about what he does. It is about him. It's always been about him. So just to recap, Jeremiah 33, 6, God is going to bring healing. That is when he comes again. Ultimate healing is awaiting us. John 14, 27, God provides peace. So we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. We do not have to be consumed with wanting to control our circumstances or be afraid that we may never be a mother because he has promised peace. He does not give as the world gives. He has given you peace. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, God lightens your burden. Come to him. You are weary. You are burdened. He gives you rest. He promises that. He asks you to take action, to take his yoke upon you and learn from him. And finally, he strengthens you. Do not be dismayed. He is your God. He strengthens you and he helps you. He upholds you. So if you are battling that desire for control over your circumstances and your fertility journey, the only action that you can take to truly walk in joy and peace and hope and the things that God has promised of us in this life that we have an opportunity to experience right now is to get on our knees and surrender the pride that we think we know best to surrender the impatience to confess our sin of impatience over God's timing and to fully lay our hearts in surrender to ask God to be these things in our life today, to choose to not conform, to transform our minds, to renew our thoughts by taking them captive and saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. If you choose to not heal me this side of heaven, if you choose not to answer this prayer this side of heaven, your will be done and not mine. I don't want to be like the Israelites, Lord. I don't want to be making idols out of being a mom or a lifestyle or whatever I'm waiting on, God. I lay down that burden and the weariness of feeling like I have to have this very thing I'm praying for to feel fulfilled. Full fulfillment comes from you, Lord. I recognize that. So I just surrender. I just surrender my plans, God, how I thought my life should look by now. The control that I crave over my story that you're writing, God, I open my hands. I unclench my fists and I lay them before you at your feet. I trust you to do a good work that you can see what I cannot see and that even though the circumstances are inconvenient or there's a delay or there is pain or there's trauma on this journey, I trust that healing and abundance and full restoration is ours. It is mine as your child and my inheritance. It belongs with you, Lord. And so I just lay and surrender and confess that I have been just like the Israelites, forgetting what you have done for me in my life and fighting with my own self to try to take control when you have provided me my daily manna, God. So I just ask for strength. I ask for peace. I ask for your yoke. I thank you that you provide healing and you provide restoration when you come again, Lord. So I trust that whatever happens between now and then, whatever happens in my days on this earth, that it is for your good. Please produce in me, God, the fruit of patience. Allow me to experience 
what it is like to walk in my head knowledge that you are trustworthy, that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are a peace giver. I pray these things in Jesus' name. If this episode challenged you, transformed a piece of your heart today, I want to ask you to just take a quick screenshot Throw it up in your Instagram stories and tag me at Sewn With Strength. That is S O W N W I T H S T R E N G T H. Sewn With Strength. I would love to see and hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening this week, and we'll see you next week on the Waiting Well podcast. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength, or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well podcast.